Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. This is Locked On Chiefs. We're going to have a great show for you. Matt Derrick is here. Keep us straight on everything that I keep forgetting about, and that does happen. Injuries, where they're going, who played most, and I think a couple of surprises. We'll get to it and see what Matt thinks. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Mr. Matt Derrick, ChiefsDigest.com. How are you, boss? I'm hanging in there, Ryan. How about yourself? Good to have you back. Thank you. I, it's good to be back. So it was a fun time, but you know what? I don't do so well in the heat. I'm more of a polar <laughs> bear, so you know it is what it is. Uh, but I came back to an interesting situation, obviously. Had a couple of days to prepare for this last game and, and see where they were at. And I was I was personally prepared for them to make some defensive changes, like we saw, but I just wasn't quite ready to expect it. <laughs> um, you know, in <laughs> retrospect, I think between uh, the opponent and the changes that they made, I think that that paid off for them. Um, my only question to you is how much of it is each, and do you have a feel for do you think that the staff is still discounting like just what the performance was in terms of the secondary and, and what they got out of the pass rush? Well, I think they, they I think they need to discount it a little bit because th- this was a Washington team that's middle of the pack at best. I mean, yeah. and honestly, that's a little bit on the upside. Um, now, there were things I thought I thought that that Washington defensively played better than they probably have been, especially up front, especially early season. You know, Chase Young and that group hadn't been terribly productive. Thought they were kind of productive against the Chiefs' offensive line. Um, at times, but you know, hey, defensively, hey, you can't complain about that second half performance. I mean, it was solid across the board. And other than the second quarter, which was just a disaster in all phases of the game for the Chiefs, I mean, it was a solid game. But I do grade it on a curve, and I think the coaching staff has to has to evaluate it about on a curve too, because Taylor Heineke is is not you know the other quarterbacks the Chiefs are going to face, and this Washington offense is not the other teams they're going to face. It was a Washington team that had injuries along the offensive line, the receiver core all banged up. I mean, there were plenty of reasons that, you know, to say that this was not even, this is a middle of the pack Washington team and it wasn't even them at their best. Mm -hmm. So that to me is why I I wouldn't be popping the champagne quite yet that all the changes have worked on defense. They've still got some work to do. Yeah. And you know, I I know there's been a lot of hubbub about Tyron Matthew this week, but I don't blame him. I I think, I, I know he said in the, in the post-game presser that their goal was to keep them under 10. That should have been their goal, given what they had to work with. Um, I thought they did do a decent job um, corralling McLaurin, who I think was obviously the biggest threat in my opinion, although I, I like the way Gibson runs. What did you take away from those two in terms of the, the focal points in the run versus the pass? Like, How did you think that they did in general mechanically? I mean, in general, I, I mean, I thought that the, the defense at least executed the game plan. I mean, you know, clearly Spags wanted to, to to tweak the pass rush a little bit, and I thought that they did that. Um, they got some pressure, obviously, that they haven't been getting on some quarterbacks of late, and they and they did it. I thought, you know, at least by doing some things that were a little bit new for them. I mean, they were running some twists that I don't think we'd seen before up front, and and doing some things that at least get after the quarterback a little bit differently. They're going to have to continue. And that's, I think, the, to me, been the, the ch- biggest challenge that this Chiefs defense has had throughout the season is that, you know, the the book on the Chiefs now, obviously, we talked about it. It's you've got to be aggressive. But the other part of it is that you've got to be out of character. You can't you can't do the things that you do against normal teams. And so far throughout the season, you know, 
teams have been throwing wrinkles at the Chiefs. Now, I, I didn't think that the Washington threw enough wrinkles mm-hmm. at the Chiefs. I didn't think that they, they did enough and diversified enough offensively to really confuse the, confuse the Chiefs. So I think that they were able to do a little bit of what at least they wanted to do. Um, but I, I mean, I saw a sounder execution. You know, we weren't seeing some of the big breakdowns that we've seen. There was the one, obviously, that we could always, you know, talk about with Ricky Seals Jones and letting him get free. But other than that, you know, you saw some, you know, I thought better communication, at least better coordination, everybody on the same page. And as far as just targeting, you know, what Washington did, I mean, once again, I mean, if I'm Washington, I I would have come out with a different game plan. I mean, I would have done a lot of what the Eagles tried to do as far as getting the ball out of Heineke's hand quickly, um, not putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback because, you put the ball in Taylor Heineke's hands, and I think you're going to get what that you got in the second half. Yeah, it, it certainly seemed like that to me as well. And when you don't have those horses, especially if you're going to attack what's weak against the Chiefs defense, it generally is going to be the run game. And they did that to some effect, but I don't think enough. And now I wonder, as we look forward here later in the show, the the key question I think right now, and we don't have an update on Anthony Hitchens at this point, but I think for this week, that's going to be key. How did you feel that the younger players, uh, particularly Nick Bolden and Willie Gay, who I think should play the majority of the snaps this coming week, how do you think that they performed, or do you think that Ben Neiman deserves to play more if Anthony Hitchens isn't able to play? Yeah, that's going to be the the, real, the biggest question is really going to be how big of a role are the Chiefs ready to pile on to Nick Bolton? Um, they've already have, to a degree, put him into a bigger role than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing out of, out of out of his role a little bit. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the Chiefs expect him to eventually be their Mike linebacker in the middle of the field. And they're asking him to play outside, which is a little bit different for him. And and he did a little bit of it in college, but it's not what he's going to be play, playing primarily in the future either. So, you know, the Chiefs are, are asking him to play a little bit out of position and certainly playing more than they expected when when they drafted him. Um, the expectation was really to bring him on a little bit more slowly, but the injuries to Willie Gay and some other, and the fact that, hey, Nick Bolton so far has accepted and, and exceeded, at least met all the challenges. I mean, that's a big part of it. But now, you know, are are you willing and able to really dump on a full playload on top of him, plus, you know, being responsible for that defense? That's a big ask. And that's why I, I, I would be very surprised if we didn't see Ben Neiman um, the only other guy that you know the Chiefs really have on the roster that they would trust in that position is you know on the practice squad with Darius Harris. And if Anthony Hitchens is going to be out any extended period of time now, with IR being three weeks, it could be three weeks. Maybe you see him get you know back up on the roster and, and fill in a little bit there too. But I, I, I would be very surprised if the Chiefs decided that they felt like Nick Bolton was ready to take that role on. Just because they they want to limit him, they don't want to put him in some positions where he's going to to cha- get challenged too much. In this game in particular, he's going to have his hands full trying to deal with Derrick Henry, much less trying to be a leader on that defense. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that coming up, folks. I want to get to what I think the second half meant overall. We'll do that on the backside of this. This episode of Locked On Chiefs is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a great place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing that they have dependable Wi-Fi, that's important, and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team and the away team can come to recharge. It's a place where it always looks forward to stopping at on a long trip and to rest your legs and to refuel. It's easy to get into it on the... Outside, the backside, the way home from a sporting event, that is incredibly 
convenient, and that's what they're about. So head to McDonald's, your local one, or the one on your way home to refuel and reconnect. And hey, maybe you'll even find a watch party in there. You're loving it. I'm loving it. Everybody's loving it. So Matt, I, I hate to be overly dramatic, um, although it's kind of fun sometimes. Um, I, we, we've heard the stories about the, the support Patrick Mahomes got um, after a, a, another terrible decision. I thought clearly after that first drive in the third quarter, I felt like he looked markedly different. I felt like when Tyreek Hill got back in the game, he looked markedly different. Do you think that between that halftime and that first drive, whenever they got it all figured out and clicking, was this the turning point of the season maybe for them to shut down and stop shooting themselves in the foot? I I, I mean, the, the next few weeks will tell, but this could certainly be that moment. Um, and, and if any phrase that came out of, of the post game in the last couple of days has, has proven anything to me, Sandy Reid saying enough is enough. And, and, you know, I know he kind of put that, you know, mindset onto his players, but I have a feeling that those words came out of his mouth at, in the locker room at halftime. Now, you know, hey, you guys have been in the NFL will tell you that, hey, there's no rah-rah speech. This isn't Friday Night Lights or, you know, Varsity Blues. Coach isn't going to come in and, and read a riot act at halftime that's going to make everybody go run through a wall and go win a state championship or anything in the NFL. <laughs> um, but you know what? I can certainly see Andy Reid going to that locker room and saying, okay, guys, enough is enough. Knock it off. You're better than this. You know, stop turning the football over. You know, you don't practice it that way. Don't do it here. Um, you guys on defense, tackle guys, get it done. Enough is enough. Um, because both sides, I mean, every phase of the game, they, they, they were markedly different in that second half versus that second quarter. And I mean, I, I mean, going back and just looking at the stats, I mean, I can't emphasize just how bad that second quarter was across the board. I mean, they didn't stop anybody on defense. They turned over the football like crazy. Mahomes was terrible in that second quarter. Um, and he wasn't alone. I mean, he had plenty of company. So I don't know what the switch was, what it was, whether, you know, it was just simply Reed putting that into those guys to just that it was enough is enough and to knock it off. But they did. And if they play the way they did in the second half, and I've said it for a while now, if this offense does not turn the football over, they're going to run up and down the field on people because everything that they're doing offensively, as far as points per possession, mm-hmm. every metric you could possibly look at, they are astronomic outliers. And you add in more possessions because they're not turning the football over. They're going to be scoring 40 points a game easily. Well, if you take out the actual turnover plays, they're even better against the rest of the league. So it is really just those pee in the bed moments that you got to cut out. And if you get that under control, this is a 35, maybe even pushing a 40 point per game offense. If you can ratchet down the defense, you might get there. They, they need the, the inspiration. It's interesting to me that that if it did come from Andy Reid, a, a known players coach, a guy that wants his players to have the personality, so that they let that out and that he lets his locker room leaders do what they need to do. But if it did come to that point that that Dad had to come down and lay down the law, I feel like in that situation with his track record, that carries a little bit more weight because it isn't something that he does that often. Uh, do you think that that this locker room is receptive to that, or, or do you think it is the leaders that are really pushing it? Well, I will say this. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Andy Reid is is not necessarily that guy who's, you know, going because he, he, he knows how to use it sparingly. He knows that his voice, when used in the right way, you know, will carry its most weight when used infrequently and at the right times. And I mean, I can tell you that I can count on and I wish I could remember the game that it was. I can count on one hand the ever a time that 
I have ever heard Andy Reid light into his team at the end of a practice that I've seen. Um, and it was a couple of years ago. And I, like I said, I wish I could remember the game. I want to say it may have been after that um, Oakland game a couple of years ago that they mm-hmm. kind of um, really got pushed around a little bit on the road and just absolutely lit into that team on a Friday. Um, that's the kind of thing that Andy Reid will do. So I, I could certainly see the halftime being that kind of fork in the road moment of him saying, okay, and, and, and maybe it was one of the team leaders. I mean, Mahomes talked about the fact that you know, this was the situation where guys were coming to him, trying to to bring him up and, and get his kind of head kind of a little bit focused a little bit. When normally it's the other way around. I mean, normally it's Mahomes going around telling guys not to keep get their heads down after they've had some rough plays. Um, but in this case, it was other guys having to come to Mahomes. And and if it was that, I mean, if it was a, a player led moment that was kind of the enough is enough moment. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too, but that was enough of that second quarter was enough. And, and I think if the Chiefs go on to win a Super Bowl, like the playoffs, win the AFC West, all of these things, I can't see how that's, that's halftime is not going to be the, the line of demarcation. Yeah, that's where I'm seeing it too. A couple of standouts that I think made an impact and are going to have to make an impact this next week against the Titans. We're going to talk about that coming up next. In life, we're all bound for different things. And with Beachbound, Dot com vacations, you can be bound for adventure or passion or discovery or just spending togetherness time, uh, bound for immersion or rejuvenation. That's really important. Everyone needs some of that. Or you may just be bound for encountering something unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach, whether it's a resort or otherwise, I'm generally probably going to end up at the poolside bar or something along those lines. And uh, I will probably be checking out the local food, whatever it happens to be, wherever I am. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'm about as happy as I can get. So with Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. And what are you bound for? Visit Beachbound.com today and let us know. We're brought to you today by Rock Auto, our friends that help us get things done on an ever-increasing number of makes and models and pieces and parts. Uh, Whether it's your car or my truck, they can save you time and money, and that's what it comes down to. Don't choose a brick-and-mortar store that may or may not have something in stock. Go to rockauto.com, and they'll get it to you, and you'll save 50 or 100% in the process. Rock Auto is a family business, and they've been in business for over 20 years. They keep everything even. Whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional worker on a side job, they are there to get you a number of things, anything that you need, in fact, at the lowest prices possible. They have everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps, and all you got to do is go explore their site, find out for yourself. Go to rockauto.com and make a cart for yourself. Use that how-did-you-hear-about-us box, and if you would write in locked in for us, that would help us out as usual You can get all the parts that you're ever going to need. Everything's available for your car, truck in one place. Check out the amazing selection, the reliably low prices, and all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Matt, we looked at the snap counts. Uh, We've seen the production. A lot of questions. There's been a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. But one guy in particular to me has been one of my pet favorites because he's not like an uber high draft pick or anything like that, but a guy that I think has earned his way onto the field and should be a starter from this point forward, in my opinion, is Rashad Fenton. And what did you take from his game and the fact that he played 100% of the snaps this last week? Yeah, I, I'm really uh, really kind of surprised that it's taken this long because, you know, to me, I go back to even training camp 
And I know that the Chiefs, you know, at the time viewed in the training camp, to, you know, hey, Sneed and Ward are our top two corners. And then it was kind of a battle a little bit between Hughes and Fenton. And then we even saw Baker kind of, you know, emerged into that. And it's almost as though over the last couple of years since the Chiefs drafted Fenton, they've done everything that they can to try and find anybody else to play in front of him. And the only thing that the dude has done when he gets snaps is respond and play. Right. And I don't know why they keep looking for somebody better because he's played really, really well. Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing I think has been an issue is that, you know, that the Chiefs have traditionally viewed him as a nickel corner, a guy that, that was maybe better suited to play inside. And then last year, what hurts him is you know, Legereus Sneed comes along and they feel like he's better inside. Mm-hmm. And that kind of took away Fenton's role a little bit. Uh, but I've never I've never seen that guy get his head down. I mean, I've never seen that guy not give his his full effort. And you look at it. And like I said, I mean, they've, they've given so many other guys chances to try and play in front of him. And yet every time when it comes back to his turn, his opportunity, he responds. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Fenton needs to be that solid number three consistently, um, especially, you know, as long as Ward's out, he needs to be a starter. Yeah. And, and I don't understand, you know, why he wouldn't be in the top three rotation when Ward d- does come back. I mean. Uh, Baker, I think, is still coming back from that injury. Hughes has had some up and down and inconsistent moments, but I, I think that Fenton overall has been arguably, and I think you could argue make it, make it, he's been their second most consistent corner after Snead. I I like where you're going with that, and this is not to you know come down on Mike Hughes. He's actually performed better this season so far than I expected, and better than he did the last season and a half in Minnesota. So I, I, the change of location has helped him. The change of coaching staff has helped him. But I agree with you, and especially this week. With Derrick Henry coming at you, with or without Taylor Wan, we'll see what happens there. But Hughes is not a guy that's coming down on him. He's not going to grab him by the shoelaces and get Derrick Henry on the ground, even if Ward gets back. And I think that they desperately need Ward back in order to really solidify this thing. It's got to be Fenton as the starter on the outside, in my opinion. I like he and Sneed on the same side, because I think you can then use Sneed to blitz at Henry, and I'll send Sneed all day long on him. Uh, despite the collarbone thing, I think that's a viable aspect to this game plan. Do you? Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, Fenton, Fenton and Snead are, are both physical guys. I mean, they're willing to, to get up and, and lay some hits. They're not afraid of contact. Um, and that's really something that, that's important to have. And I think you're right. I mean, having both those guys on the field in a game like this, it's going to be as physical as you know that it's going to be. Um, yeah, this might not be a great week for Chaveris Ward to try and come back as it is from an injury. I mean, I'd hate to be that guy this week coming back. Uh, maybe not a hundred percent. So you know, hey, if it's a, it takes you another week for Traverse Ward, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, um, to me, if I am Tennessee, though, I am going to be you know looking for Mike Hughes' side of the field. I mean, when he's out there, that's the guy that I, w- I would be trying to target. And you got a couple of guys that you know, hey, if they're even semi healthy, and AJ Brown and Julio Jones are good guys to target. So I mean, that could be a problem, but you, you know, the, the Titans are going to try and run the football, and I think in that those situations. I think those are your two best guys. I mean, you know, to me, the real question is going to be is, you know, do the do the Chiefs go with a, with a third safety or do they, they go heavy with linebacker and just, you know, stay in their t- typical 4-3 base most of this game? That's going to be the question to me. And that's going to come down to a question of, you know, how much is Dan Sorensen on the field? And is he the guy that, you know, can play Derrick Henry in both the run and the pass? That's going to be the question mark because I agree with you. Like, and, and before we get to that, I, they do need linebacker help, but – this is almost a, a, a position where, with Ward out, a guy who cannot flip sides, I would be tempted to put Snead on Julio Jones and just call it that and let him shadow him all night long. He's going to lose some reps. That's certainly baked into the equation. 
But I think that sets everything else up to allow more linebacker play. I think Willie Gay has to be the number one guy. They have to blitz more. They have to attack the run game of the Titans in order to stymie it. You're never going to stop Derrick Henry. If they keep him under 150 yards and a touchdown, I think they're doing really well, but it will take multiple linebackers to do it. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna be curious, uh, you know, what we do here from from Steve Spagnolo this week about Willie Gay because he didn't play as much against Washington as as I expected, and whether that's just a case of them bringing him along slowly, um, coaches will never tell you that hey they're they're trying to keep a guy in reserve for a game down the road, um, but yeah, I mean if you were if you wanted to make sure that Willie Gay didn't have you know too much on his on his, on, on on that toe and he wanted to be 100 percent healthy for for this game against the Titans. I could buy that. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo is probably not going to tell us that, um, but I was kind of surprised because I think you're right. I mean, they're going to need him a lot more. Th- Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point, and it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly. Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.